Golton, take your Bibles and turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. How many of you were hungry when the service was over this morning? I promise not to make you too hungry tonight. We might talk about some locusts and wild honey, uh, but I don't think that's going to cause too many of you to have a great appetite. I'm going to talk about John the Baptist tonight. As we talk about great soul winners of the Bible, uh, this evening we're going to focus on John. And John, like no other soul winner, like no other sharer of Christ, was a pioneer. He was a pioneer soul winner. Look here, if you will, at verse 19. The Bible says, and he, or excuse me, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? that we may give an answer to them that sent us, What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, Why baptize thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. And saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. And he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and an abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, as we examine John the Baptist tonight, Lord, with a goal and a focus in mind of seeing him as a pioneer soul winner, Lord, of seeing that he did the same thing that we are to do, to share Christ, to preach Christ, to proclaim Christ, Lord, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that it's powerful. I thank you that it still works today. I thank you that you can save to the uttermost that one from the guttermost even yet today. 
And Lord, help us as we ponder and look at these men, how you used them, what the methods were, Lord, and all in all that they trusted you. And Lord, how amazing it is as we see over the next several weeks that different men from different backgrounds with different abilities were all used to share the same Christ. And Lord, our prayer tonight is would you use us. God, help us to share the same message. God, help us to preach Christ. Bless us now, Lord, help me this evening to preach you right your truth. Lord, would you speak through me. God, use me this evening. Lord, would you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at John tonight, we're just beginning uh, a bit of a walk through the New Testament, looking at some of the soul winners in the New Testament. And John was one who really and truly was the forerunner. He was the first. He was the first to say, that's the Messiah. He was the first to point people to Jesus Christ. That was his job. He was the pioneer. I remember this last summer, my wife and I, on our anniversary, went, went down to Drumheller. How many of you have been down to Drumheller before? And we left from Drumheller, and we drove down to the little town of Rosebud. Town is a pretty bit of a stretch. The little community of Rosebud. And as we're driving through the country and dropping down those rolling hills, I said to my wife about three-quarters of the way between Drumheller and Rosebud, I said to her, can you imagine what it was like the first time the white man traveled into this land? Grasses five, six, seven, eight feet high, buffalo uh, roaming the land, uh, rugged, rugged, rough land. And today we enjoy our country and our province because there were pioneers. There were those who came before us and prepared the way. And uh, they created the roads. Some of the roads that we use today were literal pioneer trails that people traveled. As you look at the, uh, the ledge grounds where uh, Hannah works uh, during the week, the ledge grounds literally is the site where the first uh, trading post uh, the first fort used to set because somebody came beforehand. There was a pioneer. John the Baptist, a pioneer soul winner. He preached the way of the Lord. In the book of Luke chapter uh, 3, I read for you very quickly here, Luke chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Can I tell you that that message, that prophecy was about John the Baptist? John the Baptist who would be that pioneer. John the Baptist who in every sense of the word would prepare the way for Christ. Few people in the Gospels uh, we have so much detail about as we have about John. We have so much about John. They ask him, who are you? He said, I'm a voice. <laughs> are you, are you a, a Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. I'm just a voice. I, there's one, are you the Christ? No, I'm not the Christ. I'm just a voice. But we have much mentioned about John. We're going to not spend hours tonight. We're going to kind of 
focus in a little bit on, on John the Baptist, his soul winning efforts. Uh, he was rugged, I would say unique. Yes, Brother Bernard, I, I call his son John the Baptist. I think he's the second coming. And uh, something, something about him, every time I see him, man, I just think of John the Baptist, a wild man. And uh, I need to get him a camel hair tunic and feed him some honey and locusts. But imagine seeing this guy in the desert wearing camel hair. I mean, he, I, I guess he ate other stuff, but people are like, oh, that's the guy that eats the locust. That's the guy that eats wild honey, and he wears the camel hair. He was a little different. I, I'm not saying we need to be different, but I will say that John didn't care what the world thought about him. John wasn't concerned what people thought about him. He was different. He was rugged. He was unique. Yet he was humble. Self-effacing even. John said, oh no, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm just a voice. I'm not worthy to unloose the shoe of Jesus Christ. He had a period of service which probably only consisted of about six months. John's ministry was not a long ministry. John's preaching was not a long tenure. It was a short period of time that John the Baptist, a soul winner, would be a pioneer soul winner sharing Christ. He was a child of godly parents. Praise God for that. We can look at Luke chapter 1. We won't, but Luke chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, and we would find that John's parents were godly people. They were parents that wanted to rear their son in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, I wish we'd get back to realizing the importance of, of parenting today. Most, most adults don't want to parent. That's why so many uh, go and murder their unborn children. That's why so many who don't murder their unborn children, but actually uh, bring them into this world, they don't parent them. They allow our culture and devices and televisions and everything else to parent them. But John had godly parents. His birth was unusual. He was spirit-filled. The Bible tells us in Luke 1.15, he was the forerunner of Christ, Luke chapter 7, verse 27. And yet with all of that, we could turn to Matthew 11 tonight and we would find the great John the Baptist. John who said, Behold the Lamb of God. John who was there. He's the one that baptized John, uh, Jesus. And when Jesus came up, he saw the, the dove come and he heard audibly the words of the Father say, Behold my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That same John. That same John that looked at Herod and said, Hey, you ought not do that. That's wicked. That's evil. But you know that same John went through a period of discouragement. That same John when he was in prison, he sent a message back to Jesus' disciples and said, Hey, are you the one or do we look for somebody else? Sometimes we get discouraged and we doubt. You know what we say? I'm useless to God. I don't have enough faith to be used of God. I mean, look at me here. I, 
I, I, should be, I should be settled. I should be solid. And here I am doubting. You're in good company. John the Baptist was there. Matthew tells us. Matthew 11, verses 2 through 15. Can I tell you, finally, John was beheaded. John lost his head. Why? Because of his loyalty to the Lord and holiness. John said, I'm not going to say something that's sinful is right because you're in authority. I'm going to proclaim truth. Mark chapter 6, we find out that John lost his head. Now, as we look back here at John chapter 1 tonight, I want to give you a few things from this passage. I want to remember and remind us tonight that God's purpose for John and God's purpose for me and God's purpose for you is to glorify God. That's why we exist. That's why you draw breath, to glorify God. And to do that, I've got to tell others about Christ. I have to be a soul winner. John was the pioneer soul winner. Number one, as we think about John, John obeyed a divine commission. John obeyed a divine commission. Verse 33, if you look back there in our text in John chapter 1. And I knew him not. But notice this words. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. We see the words, but he that sent me. He that sent me. John was commissioned. John had a commission from God. And Christian, can I tell you tonight that you and I have a commission from God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have a commission from God to baptizing them and teaching them all things whatsoever we've ever learned of him. We have a commission after the Holy Ghost has come upon us to be witnesses unto him both in Jerusalem and in Samaria and all the way to the uttermost part of the earth. We have a commission. John obeyed a commission. In John chapter 1, in verse number 6, the Bible says there was a man, just a man, who was John? He was just a man. But what was the difference between John and the other men of the day? There was a man sent from God. He was sent from God. John was commissioned from God. When you read this book, as you read those words, I wonder how many of us, like myself, think, man, John was special. By the way, John was special. But I don't think John was any more special than you are. I believe we're just as special to God as John was. Because God has sent us, God has given us a task, a commission. John sent by God. It's important to notice here that as Christians, we just like John the Baptist... That crazy man with camel hair and locusts and wild honey preaching and baptizing the wilderness. We have the same commission. If 
you will look in your Bibles, hold your place in John 1. We're going to come back here in just a moment. But skip over to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 21. I want you to see the words of Christ. After the resurrection. In verse 21 of John 20. Then said Jesus unto them again. Peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me. Let's stop there for a moment. How many of you believe that the Father sent the Son? Sure he did. I don't think we question that. He was sent by the Father. There's no doubt about it. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Christian, John the Baptist, that pioneer soul winner, obeyed a divine commission, but he was no different than you and I. Jesus has sent us just as he was sent by the Father. We see that message plainly here. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, I read for you verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, Jesus said, draw him and I will raise him up that last day. Because he was sent. John 7, verse number 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. John chapter 9, and verse number 4. The Bible says, I must work the works of him. This is Jesus speaking. That sent me. Follow his day. The work, the night cometh when no man can work. John was sent. But John's not the only one. Jesus said, I, I was sent by the Father. And later, after the resurrection, he would say, As the Father sent me, so send I you. See, John obeyed the divine commission. We can be pioneer soul winners like John was when we obey that same commission. Turn to 1 John chapter 4 with me. Hold your place in John 1. We'll be back there in just a moment. Looking at lots of scripture tonight. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 14. 1 John 4, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So John obeyed the Great Commission. Christian? Instead of making excuses, instead of saying, I just don't feel called, instead of saying, I'm, I'm just, I really struggle, I, I don't have the ability that John had, may we realize that we have the same commission. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obedience. Number one, John obeyed a divine commission. Number two, turn back to John chapter one. Number two, John described a specific task. He described a specific task. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 through 22, it says, And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? 
And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give answer to them that sent us, What sayest thou of thyself? Why was John sent? What was his purpose? What did he come to do? We read here of uh, the disposition of John as he was questioned. What, why did, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Who are you? All those questions. He describes the work which the Lord had called him to. And Christian, can I tell you the work that he was called to, that task, is the same task we have. John said, I'm a voice. I'm just a voice. A voice. We have in this building one, two, three, four, five, six speakers. There's one in the nursery, one in the hallway, these two hanging in the sky, and these two down here. Now, whatever goes through the sound system, depending on where Darren wants it to go, he can send that sound to those speakers. So wherever there is a speaker, it can be heard. Now, if you go in my office, you can't hear the speaker. There's no speaker in there. In the bathrooms, you can't hear the speaker. Why? There's no speaker in there. Now, wherever the speakers are, that voice, that sound can go forth. Hey, Christian, we're God's speakers. We're just voices. We're voices to take the message of Christ to a lost world where we are. Next week, we're going to think about the Clausens and pray for them uh, as we, before we can uh, enjoy a meal. But you and I are not in Mexico. I can't be a voice there. Now, we can give and we can partner with them, but we can't speak Christ there, but we can't hear. We're voices. We're speakers for Christ. John was a voice. We're to speak. We're to cry. Where we are, we're to be a voice for God. How many of you can remember back at some point in your life when you had an opportunity to speak up for Christ and you didn't? I can remember many times. I remember in, in public junior high school in grade 7. I remember one specific occasion, but a few occasions where folks were talking and I thought to myself, I, I need to speak up for Christ. I remember one time a dear friend of mine was there and I thought, man, I've got to share Christ with him. And I didn't. I was there. I was supposed to be that voice. But I didn't speak. Christian, how many times do we fail at our task? How many times do we struggle? You see, John had a task. His task was just to be a voice. I love the fact John's task wasn't to get people to follow him. We find the very end of the passage we read, John told the disciples, his disciples, hey, that's Jesus. The very next verse, they followed Jesus because he was a voice for Christ, a voice for the gospel. You know, we ought to be a voice. How did John use his voice? There's a lot of unique voices in the world. 
I don't think I've mentioned this in our prayer request, but there's a wonderful preacher, Dr. R.B. Willett. How many of you know Brother Willett or know the name? We've used a couple of times in our adult Sunday schools over the last 10 years. We've used at least one, maybe two of Brother Willett's materials. Brother Willett's a great preacher. He had, and I'll tell you why I said the word had in a few moments, he had one of the most unique voices I've ever heard. Just a, if you've ever heard, how many have ever heard Brother Willett preach? Just a unique voice. Like, just growly, just a very unique voice. It's very unique. I mean, if you ever heard Brother Willett, you'd never forget his voice. I said had because he had his voice box removed two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, that uniqueness of his voice was taken away. Brother Willett is living, but he no longer has a voice, an audible voice. We still have our voices. What are you doing with yours? What did John do with his voice? Number three, as we think about John, he introduced a wonderful person. He introduced a wonderful person. In all the records of John public his public ministry, and in particular in the passage that we read at the beginning of the message, we see that he always pointed people away from himself into Jesus. John didn't stand up in the wilderness and say, Hey, hey, everybody, hey, pay attention to me. Look who I am. Well, John cried out. John preached. I believe he was a loud mouth out in the wilderness. People went to hear him like, who is that crazy man? But you wouldn't find John talking about himself. John was pointing people to Jesus Christ. Prepare the way for you. Prepare the way for you, John. No, not for me. I'm nobody. Prepare the way for Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. His public ministry was simply pointing people to Jesus. In verse 30 of our text, he said, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. Verse 34, And I saw and by record that this is, and this is a powerful, a powerful statement first said by John before anyone else on this earth. John said that this is the Son of God. The Son of God. This is the Son of God. John used his voice to introduce people to a wonderful Savior. Christian, can I tell you that you and I can introduce people to the same Savior? When you take a gospel track and you hand it to someone and say, Hey, can I, can I give you a gift? The greatest gift ever given. I'll tell you about a Savior. Jesus Christ, who died for you, who loves you. He's my Savior. I want you to know him. All you're doing is introducing people to the same Savior. When you share your testimony with others, hey, let me tell you what God did for me, how God saved me. You are introducing people to the same Savior that John was introducing them to. There's no vocation in the whole wide world like introducing people to Jesus Christ. And every one of us have that opportunity. Every one of us. 
I have a, had a roommate in college. His name was Eric Ross. His name is still Eric Ross. Is he still pastoring? In, he's in Colorado now, I guess. Uh, he's getting closer. He'll be up here eventually. But uh, Eric was one of my roommates my first, my first semester in Bible college. And there was a, used to be a silly song at Howes Anderson College. And one of the lines in that silly song was, If you're so dumb that you can't find uh, a husband or a wife in the registry line. Oh, no, if you don't leave here with a woman. It was, if you don't leave here with a woman, you don't leave at all. That was the, that was the jokey song. Uh, if you can't find a wife in the registry line. It was a, he just about met his wife in the registration line at college. And he was my room, one of my roommates, and... He, he met a girl, and the girl's from Ohio, and he was going to get married. And they got married, I think, around Christmas time, I think, that first semester of college. And he was older. He, had, uh, uh, he was a bit older. He was not an 18-year-old kid. He got saved later in life and came to college a little bit older. And his fiance uh, also had already graduated from college and was a bit older. And she was from the same church my wife was from in Ohio. She was from the same church where my wife was currently, when I went to Bible college, teaching in a Christian school. And so this girl, April, and my roommate, Eric, they made a decision that they were going to introduce us. So they had it all planned out. Eric asked me to be in the wedding. Now, we were friends. I'm sure he wanted me to be there because he wanted me to be at his wedding, but the main reason he wanted me to be there is he wanted to introduce me to her. And so I, I got a suit. I got a tie with purple tie. I remember the tie I got, the first purple tie I'd ever owned. I bought a, a tie for the wedding. I had a suit for the wedding. I was going to the wedding, and just a week before the wedding, at work, my boss came in and said, Brian, we're, we're too busy at work. You can't have those days off. I told you I was going to give you off. I worked the trucking industry, and you know the trucking industry. You know they'll they can hire a monkey to do your job. They care pretty much nothing about you. I learned that pretty quickly in that industry. And he's like, "No, you can't have the days off." I told you. So I told my roommate. I said, "Man, I'm really sorry, but I can't come to your wedding. Like I can't be in it." So another friend of ours, I I gave my tie to him. I think I gave my suit to him, and he went to the wedding in my place. And so they decided to call an audible at the wedding, and they decided to introduce Carrie to my other friend. And they're going to try to set them up. And how many of you are wondering what happened? It didn't work. <laughs> but uh, they, he ended up getting married about four years ago to a sweet uh, Filipina lady, actually, dear friend of mine. But Dave was introduced to Carrie. And that introduction... Didn't do a whole lot. But I was supposed to be introduced, but it didn't happen. The Lord worked it out a bit later, but not because of Eric and April. I wonder how many people this week, I'm not talking about around the world. I'm, I'm talking about here in this city. How many people this week God would like you to introduce to Jesus Christ? I mean, he set it up. He's already prearranged that you'll interact with them. You're going to meet with them this week, and God is hoping. I hope they'll introduce that person to me. I wonder how many times we fail to make that introduction. 
I wonder how many times we have an opportunity to go on purpose to introduce people to Jesus Christ and we go, I'm not going to do that. But John the Baptist used his voice to introduce the world to the wonderful person of the Savior of Jesus Christ. That is the work of every believer, every Christian. But what did he say about Christ? What did John say? Number four. Number four tonight. John proclaimed a glorious message. He proclaimed a glorious message. He proclaimed two special things about Christ. Two things in particular that John proclaimed. First, he said he's the sin bearer. I want you to see that with me in verse 29. And the next day John seeth Jesus coming into him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John said, hey, he's going to take our sin. He's going to bear our sin. As we look down to verse 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. John proclaimed Christ as the sin bearer. By the way, he's still the sin bearer. Religion or churches or good works, nothing is the answer for sin. It's only Jesus Christ. He's still the sin bearer. And second, John said first, he's a sin bearer. Second, he's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. John was out in the wilderness. John was baptizing. Now, I won't go into all of it doctrinally, but understand in the Old Testament, the Jews used baptism. Baptism was not a new practice. It was new in regards to baptism after salvation showing forth the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But to the Jews, baptism was something that they were familiar with. It was a religious practice. Uh, it was something that was done uh, more than one time as well. It was, it was a different issue than baptism after the gospel we see in the New Testament. So John's out baptizing people in the wilderness with water. And John says, I want to tell you a message about this man that I'm talking about. He's a sin bearer, and he is coming to baptize as well. But he's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. That's a whole big difference. John said, I'm going to baptize here in the water. I'm John the baptizer, but I can't baptize with the Holy Ghost. But Jesus is the sin bearer. This one I want to introduce you to, John said, is the one who will baptize with the Holy Ghost. Thus the message John proclaimed to his hearers that was through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They could have deliverance, forgiveness from sin. That they could have the gift of a new life which only comes by the Spirit of God. Only comes by the Spirit of God. When God created the world, he created all things. He said, let there be light. There was light. Everything he created, he created by his word. Until he got all the way to man. And the Bible says that when God created man, that he got his hands dirty. And he formed man from the dust of the ground. He dirtied himself to create man. 
In the very last step of creation of man, the Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Nothing else has a living soul. Only man. I love animals. I'm an animal lover. Uh, I love some animal this afternoon. I had some turkey on my plate. I loved it. No, I, but animals don't have a soul, an eternal soul. Why? Because God did not breathe into their nostrils the breath of life. Only man. Man is different than all other creation. We have a living soul. But what happened? Adam sinned. When God said, the day you eat thereof, you will die. Adam died. But it was not the physical part of Adam that died. It wasn't his body. It was that eternal part of him that God had given him. He had a dead soul, a dead spirit. And every man ever born, every woman that's ever lived on this earth, since Adam, because of sin, has had a dead spirit, a dead soul. And John said, you can be alive. That same breath that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, that he became a living soul, God's Holy Spirit the pneuma, the breath of God will come into you because he is the one that will baptize with the Holy Ghost. He's the one that will deal with your sin. That's a good message. That's a great message. I've joked before, I think one of the most ridiculous questions ever asked is the question that Jesus asked the man from full of Bethsaida. <laughs> he said, will you be made whole? Now let's stop and think about that a minute. Here we have a man who can't walk, who's out here by a pool, knowing he's not going to make it down, but he's still there because he's, even if there's this much of a chance, kind of like that person that every, every week goes to the gas station and, and throws their money away on a, a lotto ticket. And, oh, maybe there's a chance. Yeah, there's no chance at all. There's a chance you're going to be, the fool is going to be soon parted with his money. But... Oh, there, maybe there's a chance. This guy said, man, if there's a chance, maybe I'll make it in the pool. And Jesus said, well, thou be made whole. <laughs> of course. I want to be made whole. Every person here. Every person outside of here. They want to be made whole. Oh, we may not agree with the Bible about what that means. But we all have a burning desire inborn in us to be fulfilled and complete that can only come through Jesus Christ. He can forgive our sin. He can make us alive forever and give us a new nature. The breath of God, the pneuma of God, the spirit of God can come in because of Christ. That's the message John preached. That's a wonderful message. He's the only one who can bestow those blessings. His sacrificial substitutionary death on the cross bore our sin and provided pardon, provided cleansing. Moreover, Jesus is the only one who can baptize with the Holy Ghost. 
Only he can take guilty sinners. And that's what you were without Christ, guilty. 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 That's what I was, guilty. Only he can take guilty sinners and by the miracle and mystery of his sovereign grace, unite us in one body. We're all given into one spirit to drink as 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 tells us. Making us a participant in the divine nature. What's well, wonderful. John had a great message. Can I tell you why people came to hear John? I believe, number one, they came because they were curious. Hey, did you hear about that crazy guy? I mean, he's, he's out in the wilderness. And he's wearing camel's hair. And I saw him eating lunch the other day. And he was like eating locusts and wild honey. I think he's a, uh, I thought he was a vegan, but I guess not. Uh, he's eating some weird stuff. And what's, he's a weird guy. And he, he's out every day. He's out preaching in the wilderness. And he's out baptizing people. I guarantee you, a lot of people that heard John preach, well, I just got to see this. <laughs> I don't believe it. But I'm going to go see it. Can I tell you why they stayed? Can I tell you why they followed John? Can I tell you why those that went to see John read the Bible says shaking in the wind? They didn't stay because of John. They didn't stay because he was such a great orator. They didn't stay because he impressed them with his outfit. They stayed because of the message. The world needs the same message. I praise God for every opportunity we have to draw folks and get them to hear the message. But the message hasn't changed. It's the message that has to go forth. The message of who Christ is. It's a glorious message. A wonderful message. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and the household of God. How is that possible? Through Christ. Look down, if you will, to verse 22. In whom... Ye also are builded together for an habitation of God. How? Through the Spirit, capital S, through the Holy Spirit. Christ alone has the answer. My heart has broken these last several weeks for the folks that are dealing with the chaos in the Middle East right now. My heart breaks for family members who've lost loved ones. Folks who have loved ones missing. Folks who are dying every day. And can I tell you the answer for that mess is Jesus Christ. And by the way, both sides need the answer. Both sides. The answer is Jesus Christ. 
The answer for the brokenness in our culture today. What's the answer for all the homelessness and crime in our city and drugs? It's not another political program. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Our world needs to know Jesus. We see John had a wonderful message. Christian, we have the same message. How many of you have ever had to share bad news before? You ever had to share bad news? As a pastor, I've been tasked many times with sharing bad news. One of the hardest things I ever have to do. I remember back in 2009, I was at the university hospital. I'd been there for two days. For the families of the girls that had done ecstasy on the pole band and been taken to hospital, they were in on life support. I had been there with the families and dealing with the media circus that was going on and trying to minister to hurting people. I'll never forget when the head of the neurology department at the University of Alberta Hospital called me into his office and said, Pastor Rice, can I talk with you? I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to ask you a very unusual thing. He said, and this may not be appropriate. He said, this may be very unprofessional. He said, but I think it's the right thing. I'm going to ask you to do something, and I apologize for asking you to do this. He said, Pastor Rice, those girls that you've been with and those families, somebody's got to tell them that they're brain dead. Somebody's got to sit down with those families and tell them that they, they're not there, they're gone. And someone's got to be there with them as they unplug the machines. And he said, Pastor Rice, he said, that's my job. He said, but I've seen you here with these folks. He said, I've seen you love them. He said, I know they listen to you. I know they love you. He said, could I ask you to go in the room with me? And before I speak, would you tell them what I've told you before I tell them? So one room at a time. I sat in the room and I called the families to come in. The neurosurgeon, the most gifted brain doctor in the entire province, sat in the room and he said to the family, Pastor Rice would like to speak with you. And I had to say to those families, your daughter, your daughter's gone. Her body is still here, but she's brain dead. She's no longer here. And this man is going to talk to you about that and what, you're, what you can do now. And She shared with them how she was gone. 
And I would go with them and the family as they would unplug the machine. That line would go flat. Can I tell you at that point in my life, that was some of the hardest news I'd ever had to share. Not much harder than that. Not much more difficult than that. Nobody likes sharing bad news. Nobody likes to tell horrible news. Christian, I want to tell you tonight that we don't have bad news to share with the world. We've got good news. We've got wonderful news. The news is there's a cure for what they have. It's not the end. There's hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. The news is not as terminal. There's no hope. The news is Jesus Christ died and paid for your sin, and you can be born again. We have a wonderful message. The same message John had. The same glorious message. Number five, and I close with this tonight. As we think about John, John the Baptist, this pioneer missionary. John the Baptist secured a rich harvest, number five. He secured a rich harvest. At first sight, the harvest recorded in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 37, may not seem very spectacular. Would you look there again with me? In John chapter 1, verse 35 through 37. And the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. In verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. And they followed Jesus. Just two. That doesn't sound very impressive, does it? Doesn't sound all that wonderful that just two people would follow. But can I tell you that he secured a rich harvest? A little country, country Sunday school teacher named Daisy Halls would share the gospel with a little boy, at least one that I know of, that was in her class, a young teenage boy. And that little country church Sunday school teacher would have a rich harvest by leading one boy to Jesus Christ. That little boy's name was Lee Robertson. Who were these two? Who were these two followers of John? Who were these that would follow Jesus? Andrew, the brother of Peter. John, the brother of James. Verse 40 tells us, and of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. 
And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, and thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Can I tell you that Andrew followed Jesus? And Andrew got his brother, and his brother followed Jesus. And Peter and Andrew got others to follow Jesus. And they got others to follow Jesus. And they got others to follow Jesus. And John had a rich harvest. The Bible only records two people that follow Jesus from John's preaching. But a rich harvest. We get our minds so focused on, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a failure. I'm no success for Christ. We are a success when we share the gospel. You see, God has called us to be soul warners to tell people of Christ. John would follow Christ. Andrew would follow Christ. Peter would follow Christ. John found his brother James. But Andrew was the first one to find his brother Peter. They both found their brothers. They both brought him to Jesus Christ. So here's the rich harvest from John's ministry. Andrew and every person Andrew led to Christ. John, the beloved, and every person John led to Christ. Peter, tempestuous Peter, and every person Peter led to Christ. We know several thousand one day came to Christ because of the preaching of Peter. James. And every person he led to Christ. Christian, we need to realize the importance of one soul. That little boy who was Lee Robertson, when Daisy Hawes led him to Christ, she had no idea that that man would pastor a thriving, growing, soul-winning church in Tennessee. That he would train preachers and for many years a to have a school that was a powerful uh, producing Bible college, sending out preachers across the world. Brother Arbo, Brother Larry Arbo, who's going to be with us for our preachers conference in January, told me the story. He went to Indiana. Him and his wife were from Ontario. They're from Brother Pennell's church there, Barry. And they went down to Howes Anderson, this is in the early 70s, right after the college started. And he was there for a meeting in the summer, and he went to Dr. Howes' office, and he said, well, uh, Howes, he said, I, I want to be a, I want to go to college. I want to go to Howes Anderson College. And I'm a Canadian. And Brother Arbo told me his testimony that Brother Howes said, man, I'd love to have you here. He said, but we're not set up for international students yet. This was the early 1970s. And he said, we'd love to have you. He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you and your wife to drive down to Highland Park Baptist Church. He said, I want you to go talk to Lee Robertson. He said, I want you to go to his Tennessee Temple College. Brother Arbo and his wife, they drove down to Tennessee. He went to, uh, they got to go and attend there and graduate. And God used them mightily in Canada. And, of course, praise the Lord, God still used them. Tonight, he's preaching in Prince George, filling in for pastor He's not recovered yet from surgery. He told me, he said, Brother, pray for me. He said, I committed myself to go, so I'm going to go and preach. One of those men that that little Sunday school teacher had an impact on. 
John had a rich harvest. Why? Because he was faithful. Not because he saw thousands come to Christ himself, but because his message made a difference. Christian, as we think about John, that pioneer soldier, may we realize the importance this week of telling one person. Telling one person about Jesus Christ and realize the impact that one person might have for eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Lord, as we think of the great work that we're called to do, Lord, we know that John was commissioned by you. Lord, I thank you that we have that commission. And Lord, he was just a voice, but he used his voice for you. Lord, he used his voice to introduce others to you, a great Savior. He preached a wonderful message. Lord, we have a wonderful message. Lord, I'm so glad that I don't have to go and tell the world that there's no hope. Lord, I'm glad I don't have to carry a horrible message to a lost world. But Lord, I can go and preach the glorious gospel, the wonderful message that Jesus can bear your sins, that he give you the Holy Ghost to make you new, a new creature. Lord, help us to use our voice this week. Help us to speak up and speak out and speak forth. Help us on purpose to tell others about you. And Lord, may we trust you for the harvest. Lord, may we simply bear, bear the seed of the gospel. May we proclaim the truth. Lord, help us tonight as we think about how we can be better soul winners, how we can better present Christ, how we can better affect our world, our family, with the gospel. Lord, help us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen.